0: Okay, so are you at all interested in what is happening with Generation Alpha right now? I definitely am. And as someone who was a teacher for 20 years, I decided to make this video to discuss the issues that are happening, but especially so that we can actually start talking about it. And if you're curious if this is happening in countries besides the United States, keep watching to find out. So as I said before, I was a teacher for 20 years and I left for a few reasons, but the main reason I left is because after 20 years of having experience somewhere, I felt like I really wanted to get into the professional development side of helping teachers. And the more um, I hear about teachers leaving the profession, the more concerned I am and the more I definitely want to help. So initially I wanted to help in the areas of teaching literacy because I was an English teacher. and um, But also I do a lot of mindset work um, personally and with, you know, just people I know and love. And I figured that can also be helpful for teachers. But as I saw this whole debate around generation alpha, and I realized that twenty years ago, the problems that teachers are talking about now in terms of um you know, disrespectful behavior and you know parents and uh, what's happening with the kids. they can't manage their emotions, that is not something we saw as the norm. Like we saw it twenty years ago, but, Nowadays, it sounds like that's, that's what's normal. Whereas when we were teaching, uh, when I was teaching a long, you know, a long time ago, um, <laughs> it wasn't considered normal to, to have those, that many issues in one class. So I want to preface this video by saying that I definitely want as many comments as possible, but I want Solutions as well. So with everything that I mentioned in this video, if you have something to suggest or something that you've seen that has worked with these kids or something that you think could work, you know, pop it in the comments below. If you have a question, you can ask that as well. Um, I've been doing a ton of research with a lot of videos recently, and everyone has a story about what is going on with the kids. Everyone has a theory. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring up a few of those theories now, and then you can let me know uh, what you think. And most importantly, if you have any solution for any of the topics that I bring up, or even the topics I don't bring up that deal with generation alpha, I absolutely want you to write it down because the mantra for this video is it takes a village, it takes a village to raise a child. Okay. And I think a lot of us have forgotten that. And if you're a parent out there with generation alpha and you are struggling, then I just want you to remember that it's okay to ask for help. Nobody has the parenting booklet it doesn't exist. So it is okay to ask for help. All right. Now, the first thing we're going to look at is the actual disrespectful behavior that's been mentioned about Generation Alpha and their lack of desire to learn. So It's reported today that a lot of this generation are what we call uh, nihilistic. So to be nihilistic, that means that you, or I'll say they, they reject, okay, this is just based on the definition. They reject all religious and moral principles because they believe life is meaningless. Okay. They don't see kind of the purpose because often they're so inundated with everyone else's lives. Now. My question is, and please feel free to comment on this, do kids actually know what it means to be respectful? Because it's quite possible that they might think that it just means you don't yell at someone, right? But if you make a sarcastic comment, that is still respectful because my mom makes sarcastic comments and my dad makes sarcastic comments all the time. So I'm just sort of mimicking what I see in front of me. And I really want you to think about that because these days, like when was the last time you saw an adult being disrespectful? I mean, I bet you most of us, if it has been a week since you have not seen an adult be disrespectful, and I am including in comments on a social media post, I would think that you have gone off the grid pretty completely. Because these days, especially when you are hidden behind that screen, the ability to be disrespectful, to comment in a way that is disrespectful, to speak to someone in a disrespectful fashion, it is incredibly common. And now if you think that children see that on a regular basis, how can we expect only the classroom to be the area where no disrespect is allowed when their regular life has disrespect constantly bombarding them? right? So you have to, as you know, this is, and I'll mention this later, but parents as well have to be on board with the fact that when you are in the classroom setting, that is when your absolute best behavior hat is on 100%. And these days, right? Because society normalizes disrespect, on social media in shopping centers like i said with waiters with someone you feel you you're having a bad day so you take it out on them because you can right instead of taking your power back and realizing that even though something that's happening right now might be beyond your control you are not going to take it out on this person you are still going to give love and kindness to this person because what they have not done anything personally to you. They've not attacked you personally. Now, okay, if it's a personal attack, that's a different story. But I'm talking about being disrespectful when there's really no reason to. It's because something else might be going on. So I think that because of that, and not to mention influencers, right? Influencers, the most videos, and not even influencers, I'm just, you know, even just social media, like if you have a social media account that you're on, Most views are with situations where someone is being negative or disrespectful in a lot of cases, right? People, for some reason, those videos get a lot of views and maybe it's because it makes us feel better about our own life. I don't know. But who is going to teach children what is and is not disrespectful, right? It takes a village. All of us must do it. We all must teach them because they have to know what is disrespect, right? To their friend, to their teacher, um, you know, and also disrespect in terms of their actions as well as what they say, right? So by teaching them, by everyone teaching kids, then it tends to be, um, they tend to be more aware of it. And I was even thinking that... Maybe, you know, that should be part of the curriculum is actually what does disrespect look like? And how do you change it? How do you go the other way and you know, make it so that you know what to do instead of speaking in a disrespectful manner? Um so now that will lead me sort of into parenting and with leading it just into from disrespect into parenting first, okay. If your child is disrespectful to you, but you don't really, you kind of see what they said as cheeky or funny or silly, um, but you know in your mind that if they said it to a teacher or someone, you maybe wouldn't like it because it sounds disrespectful and it doesn't reflect well on them, then correct it. Explain to them, you know, okay, I don't mind if you're cheeky with me, but When you're with your teacher, when you're with your instructor, when you're with your coach, you don't say things like that because that can be taken as as disrespect. Um, And if they're like, why? Then explain it to them. Say, because you're actually saying this. Even though you said it in a sarcastic manner, you really are telling your teacher this, that you don't feel um, you have to do something like that, right? So you are telling her that you just won't. You're putting your foot down, even though you said it in a more sarcastic way. Give them the tools to understand what disrespect looks like as a parent, okay? That's where it has to start. All right, so a lot of the videos that I've been looking at seem to talk about the confusion between gentle parenting and lazy parenting in terms of accepting negative behavior without correcting it, both verbally verbally and physically. And we all know what I'm talking about here, right? When you see a child acting out and the parent just lets it go. I have seen it as a teacher. I have seen it in shopping malls. I have seen it many places. Um, You know, one of the TikTok videos talks about, this girl is talking about how a child just at the, it was like in a doctor's office or something. And she threw these business cards all over the place and the mom just laughed right? Now you have to, in that case, blame the mom because the mom should have recognized this is not acceptable behavior. Yes. Maybe it was funny, but it's not acceptable. I don't want, it reflects badly on my child and therefore her and I are going to clean it up. So you have to sort of get to the point where you have to correct the behavior as the parent. And there are theories that some of this is rooted, um, this whole gentle parenting, thing and i mean i'm not i mean like there are definitely areas where gentle parenting is working and parents know what to do and if you are one of those parents then please come into the village and write down what do you do what is working why is your child you know not a behavioral issue in school but you are using gentle parenting. Okay, please, please, please let other parents know. So anyways, there are theories that some of the gentle parenting is rooted in parenting trauma that millennials themselves, and I say millennials because it tends to be millennials that are parenting Gen Alpha, even though yes, there are Gen Z and older Gen Z and younger, um, sorry, and uh, Gen X that are also, and younger Gen X that are also parenting Gen Alpha. But for the majority, it is the millennials. So they, anyways, there are theories that it is rooted in parenting trauma that millennials experienced with their own parents, right? And therefore they don't want to do the same with their child. But that has been going on for years when, when forever, like when I was younger, I also, how many of us said, Oh, I'm not going to be like my mom. She's too strict. I'm not going to be like my dad. He's like this that is a little bit different than actual trauma that's happened okay so if you had if you experienced trauma as a parent and you haven't talked to someone about that you need to go and talk to someone about that because if it is negatively impacting how your child is turning out you are not doing anybody any favors it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt your child and a good rule of thumb is if your child can't walk through a store by the age of five without having some sort of meltdown, then red flags should be shooting very far. I hi, hi up there, because that is telling you that there is a problem. Your child, you need to figure out what's going on and work on it, um, also, with parenting, you know, parents there's the the whole idea that they don't set boundaries for their child, right? So they allow, especially if they're in a play date, right? The parent might be over here, the child's over there, and something's going wrong. But you don't want anyone else to parent your child, so you kind of just let the behavior go. But you get ex- upset when someone else. Needs to step in, so you have to make a decision. Like, where are your boundaries, right? Does your child know the acceptable behavior when they go into um, somewhere other than their house? Do they know what the boundary is of, of behavior that you expect? And there's also the fact that parents. This is a big a complaint with teachers. Uh, with teachers, and I had this towards my the end of my 20 years of teaching. This was a big thing with me as well. That parents siding with the child over the teacher in many cases. So what happens is the teacher's hands now are completely tied. And if the behavior continues, which it does (laughs) when I should say, when the behavior continues, the teacher can't do anything. They have to be so careful as to what they say or what they do, because the child then um, might, uh, go home and tell the parent, and then it might become a big thing. And the teacher just doesn't want to deal with that The teacher has enough to deal with. Trust me, as a teacher, your thoughts are continuously taken up with all your kids. That is literally, they run in your head like, like little mini versions of themselves. And you just think of them all the time, but in a hundred different ways. So because of that, again, I say, you know, it takes a village. If you see, if you have a friend or a sibling or anybody that you know who needs help parenting because the child doesn't have these boundaries, start doing some research. Don't stop talking to the parent to help them set the boundaries, right? Don't stop. Keep talking to them because you are saving that child. Really, that child is the right there. There's going to be a lot of um issues mental health issues growing up you know with uh with this generation if we don't do something okay um the third big thing that i noticed was a was trending among all of the gen alpha videos that i watched and you know subreddits that i got trapped into is the addiction to the screens. And this will not come as any surprise to anyone because the common thing for teachers now is, oh my gosh, they cannot focus for more than 10 seconds. Like 10 seconds, really, I'm serious, 10 seconds. And (laughs) that is not an exaggeration, you guys. This is getting worse and worse in schools. I mean, before maybe you had one child who might've been diagnosed with you know ADHD or ADD, like attention deficit, but now- attention deficit is with the majority of the the children because life does not move the way that your game moves. The fact is that your teacher doesn't move as fast as the characters in your game. And your teacher doesn't flash with a lot of pretty lights when you get the answer, right? And the same is true with life. It is never going to move that fast. But kids are so trained to have things going quick, 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 quick all the time. And I mean, even, you know, with TikTok, the fact that you can have like short videos scrolling through, it's doing so much damage to the way that they are intaking information. And not only that, but storing information, right? If they can only store information in tiny little bits, how do you teach that way? How do you how do you move a lesson in one minute increments or two minute increments? Like every two minutes, you're like, okay, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. It's impossible. But if you're doing it, please let us know how you're doing it because teachers need to know something like that. We need to before there is a collectively international teacher shortage. Uh, we need to know what's going on, how we can fix it. So anyways, I digress. A lot of what we are seeing right now, basically, right. Is because of this, this lack of focus is because of this constant stimulation found on social media apps and games, like I said, and it goes all the way back to babies. Think about it. Number one, babies are given phones to keep them entertained. Okay. Number two babies are constantly seeing the upper side of their parents' head because the parents are constantly on the phone. So the babies see parents with this toy and they also want this toy, but their brain is not developed enough to um to understand how to work with this toy. So even though a phone is designed to be exactly what a baby wants, it's all pretty colors and it moves quick. And, you know, a baby is like, it's so stimulated by it. It doesn't mean it's right, right? Overstimulation of screens is threatening to prevent the development of a child's creative side. And this is what you need in times of boredom. When you are bored, that's when you're creative, when you're learning how to create. You have to have that. It's, I feel terrible for kids who don't have that, that ability to think like I created this, right? And these days, because kids don't have this, these thinking skills as well, because let's, I mean, creativity is not just drawing a picture. Creativity is also thinking outside of the box. That's where you get your logic. That's where you get your, your critical, like your critical thinking, right? You're deeper thinking, but now, you know, a lot of times it's easier for someone to solve the problem for kids than it is for them to try and learn how to solve it themselves. And they give up very quickly because they aren't developing those skills due to the excessive screen time that, um, you know, because they're being kind of in a lot of cases, you know, if parents are tired, they're being babysat by screens. And that's, you know, part of the part of the problem. And this leads me to another big problem with screens is children, particularly in the tween age. So when you're looking at like 9, 10, 11, 12, being influenced not by other tweens, but by teenagers and young people in their 20s. So when I was like 10 or 11 and reading the babysitters club and Nancy drew and my biggest influencers were my other friends who were, you know, 10 and 11, and we didn't have all these teenagers that we were watching. I mean, we had like Alyssa Milano and who's the boss, for example, or any of those, you know, um, TV shows that those were our influencers back then. And, because of that, what's happening is being a tween, that tween stage is actually fading out. It's becoming a thing of the past. And now tweens think that they need to be like teenagers. So because it's teenagers that have the accounts, right? They're the ones, it's a teenager that is going to invest their time in being a TikTok influencer or social media, you know, megastar, um, not the tweens the tweens are going to have very basic social media if they're on, if if they actually have their own account and they're definitely not going to likely be influencing other teens. So when tweens see older kids on social media, right now, suddenly they need to be shopping at Sephora and they need retinol in their face cream and they need to be getting, I don't know, Botox or something. Right. So how do you prevent them from realizing that they don't need to grow up so fast. They don't need to, they can enjoy the time that they're in now, right? Without feeling that they're missing out. Okay. Rather go for the JOMO, right? The joy of missing out instead of the FOMO, the fear of missing out. Okay. Now, another one I've noticed, and this one especially links, relates to teaching is there are no incentives for kids to work hard. Okay. So we are at the point, and I've heard this from a lot of teachers and I've had this happen to me as well. We are at the point where many kids will pass no matter what, no matter what is happening, they will pass. Okay. In a lot of cases, the teacher has probably been asked to change the marks. And I'm not sure if the administration is still blaming COVID on that, but do you know who is actually suffering because of this? The kids who want to learn, the kids who want to do well, they are the ones that are suffering because they are now the ones being left behind. As a teacher, I can tell you, if you have a class where the majority of kids are struggling and you've got a few really top kids, you are not worried about those top kids. Those top kids in your mind are going to be fine. You are aiming everything at the lower kids because... If nothing else, you need to try to get them to improve a little bit by the end of the year. You're strong kids. You can't, you don't have time to teach to their level. If you teach to their level, you're going to lose 20 kids. You're going to have 20 kids who have no idea what you're talking about because you've got four who know exactly what you're talking about. So what do you do? You teach to the lower kids and who gets left behind the 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 ones who want to learn the ones who want to be productive the ones who want to actually soak in that information and and teach other kids and you know and help uh, help out with you know the the world and do better right so what incentives are there for those kids? There are none. How can we expect these kids to want to do well when everybody around them is doing nothing? oh, you didn't do your homework oh, that's okay Right. It used to be when I started teaching, you didn't do your homework. You got a demerit. You got something, you know, there was a consequence. There are no consequences now. So when the kids don't do their homework, what do I say? Okay. Right. What can I do? I can just not give homework or I can give as little homework as possible. But as a result, I will never get the kids that are that want to do well. I will never get them to where I could get them. If I had the consequences of not doing the homework so that kids were actually doing the homework or were being disciplined um, by the school as well, so that teachers can actually teach instead of coming in just to babysit and discipline kids, right? Because that is that is what's happening in a lot of schools right now, unfortunately. So it's, you know, and it's basic human nature to be like this. If you think about it, right? If you work at a job as an adult. And you come into your job, you're super pumped, you're like really positive, you're like, I'm going to do the best job, I'm going to add value, I'm going to go the extra mile. And then JJ is over there, and they're just sitting, like surfing all their socials half the time. And, you know, they always ask you to kind of cover for them. And they don't really, um, you know, have a they're like, whatever, it's just a job doesn't matter. And they never put in any extra effort. And then at the end of the year, there is um, a promotion and JJ gets the promotion. So your boss never even knew, right? Because the administration, like they're not noticing these smart kids. They're just trying to like get through the day as well, I'm sure. And make rules that have that do <laughs> make rules that would have been great 50 years ago, but have no bearing on today's so, on today's schooling system. So. That's basically an example of what's happening, right? We are snuffing out those bright sparks who want to contribute to society in favor of not hurting anybody's feelings and not, you know, and pandering to people who feel that we should, you know, that kids should kind of be in charge of of the class, not the teacher. Okay, next one is uh, is one is the mental health issues. So if you are a parent, you might, and I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I mean, I've heard of kids as young as seven having mental health problems because of what is happening around them, the anxiety that, it's, that things are causing them. And even, you know, the anxiety that they're probably feeling for their teacher, to be honest, if they're that young. Um, but before this crisis explodes like an atomic bomb, something needs to happen. So if you have any kids who have had, you know, mental health issues, please share. Please share if you did anything about it or what you did or what was what made it better, anything. I mean, I read a story the other day on a subreddit about an 8-year-old who was at a family gathering, I think at Christmas, and he didn't want to do anything outside with the family, just wanted to play with his iPad. And then he lost, he lost part of the game or he lost something like he lost, you know, he, um, in the game and he smashed the iPad. And it's like, Oh, that's like the third iPad he smashed. And you're just like the third iPad. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know so and that is a situation right where it's like no here we have to now teach our child how to manage their anger what do we do we look it up we figure it out as parents right at least now you have tons of parents online who are who are there the village is here the village is here right go and find who had this issue with anger management in their child how can i help my child and be strong you are the parent. Even if your child says, I hate you, they don't mean it. Okay. They just maybe hate that you've taken the iPad away for a minute, but you are the parent. Kids need that structure. They need that routine in order to be like functioning human beings one day. Now, the last thing I want to comment on before I give you some strategies of how to maybe fix this is, is this only happening in the United States? Because I was reading a lot of comments. People were like, oh, this is probably just in the U.S. And actually, no. So I found one of the videos I watched on TikTok has like 43,000 views. And one uh, woman asked, is this only in the States? And a lot of other teachers came and said, no, this is happening in Germany, Cambodia, Sweden, Australia, Canada, Scotland, Egypt, Ireland, Finland. Someone commented on Finland, which surprises me because I always hear like Finland's got the best education system. So you know someone from Finland, like please get them to pop in the comments and let me know if that's truth. Greece, Bulgaria, South Korea, although someone did mention the laws just changed in South Korea to give the teachers more rights. That'd so, be interesting to hear about that. Romania, the UK was big on there. Yep. The UK was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Spain, someone said was not as bad. And I can attest to that because. I have a client who's Spanish, and she says, like, in Spain, the kids always are playing, like, outside in groups. So I think there's a lot more socialism going on in Spain. Um, Denmark was in debate. Some people said yes. Some people said no. Uh, South Africa, Singapore. Singapore, though it was mentioned, has better discipline, so not as bad. Um, Brazil, France. And to be honest, I really want to hear from Japan. What's happening with the kids in Japan? Are they like this? Because I always hear that Japan has these amazing strategies for helping their kids. And I want to know what's happening now with Gen Alpha in Japan. So if you know anybody in Japan, oh my gosh, please get them on this comment list down below. I really, really, really want to hear from them. And obviously, I want to hear from any other country who's doing it right where they're not hitting the kids. Okay. Because I'm not advocating hitting children at all. That again, is just instilling fear. And that is traumatic. And I don't buy that just like you can't, you wouldn't hit, you know, you're not, you can be arrested for hitting a person. You shouldn't be hitting a child. So there we go. Now, last but not least guys, um, there was a, there was one thread that I read where someone said, but how can we help? Okay. And this is where I want to hear from you. So here are my ideas of what I have learned in all my research and, but I am always like, I would love to hear even more. Okay. So here we go. Number one, helping kids learn breath work to manage their emotions. Now I know personally, as someone who implemented, started implementing meditation when I started my mindset work about three, four years ago. It has helped me stay so calm. I used to I used to yell at kids when I was a teacher back in the day because my teachers yelled at me, and I had colleagues yelling at kids. I always yelled at kids. Now, I never, like since I've come uh, come out of teaching, my last two years of teaching, I never yelled at the kids. I mean, and I wouldn't say I necessarily taught everything I wanted to teach because I was disciplining a lot of the time or just breathing through the fact that someone yet again was playing on their iPad when they were supposed to be, you know, researching. Um, But I managed to stay calm. So helping kids learn breath work, getting some strategies. Um, You'll see my other video is actually 10 ways to create a classroom, a mind create mindfulness in your classroom, different mindfulness practices that you can use as an adult, but that you can also use for kids. Um, okay, next, uh, going back, linking again to mindfulness, using mindfulness strategies to teach kids how to be calm and manage their big emotions, manage the anxiety, manage the anger, manage what's really happening um in their in their bodies right to learn those strategies that needs to happen as soon as possible uh okay having designated no screen time for the whole family and rather spending time together even if it's 30 minutes or if it's an hour, if you can if you can squeeze an hour great but if you have to make it 30 minutes make it 30 minutes and this includes tv guys the tv is a screen um but spending time, you know, either playing, talking, drawing, baking, um, playing a board game, building something, um, you know, reading a story together, um, whatever you want to do, but something that has no screen time, that's just spending time, spending time together because you love this person. So you don't love these people on the screen. You love the people in your life, but sometimes, you know, that kind of gets pushed, pushed away. Okay. Uh, Reading to young kids, if you can, please, 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 please read to your child before bed when they are younger, because this associates the practice of reading with feeling safe, happy, and comforted. Okay. Even if your child can't read, if you're the one doing the reading, if then that's fine. It's because the practice of reading together, it's... Um, what's the word I want? It imprints in the subconscious mind and the child's subconscious mind that reading is a fun activity. Reading makes me feel safe because I'm reading with mom, I'm reading with dad. And it's always like they associate it like that. So if you can incorporate that practice, please, 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 please do. All right, next, correcting the behavior as early as possible, parents and carers correcting the behavior as early as possible and teaching them what they could say instead or how they could act instead. It is one thing to just say, don't do that, but okay, but what should I do? What am I supposed to do instead if I don't do that? So now instead of saying, don't do that, say, don't do that. Or, you know, you really should try this instead try to say this instead. Okay. This is what you said. This is why it's not a good idea that you said that because it could make someone feel like this. Um, so maybe try to say this instead that way you are teaching the kids how to actually behave. What is the desired behavior as opposed to just don't do that. Don't behave that way. Don't, don't like do rather always do this instead um setting up play dates where no devices are allowed so kids can be creative and learn better communication skills and i know you might get some pushback on this but when kids are younger it'll be a lot easier and you could always if your kids are younger you could make that a standard thing like when you okay as soon as they get their phone or their tablet okay that's fine but when like when jj comes over there are no no tablets or no phones. Like this is a no device how play dates are like no devices. And I know, yes, they will go to someone else's house and they will have devices. You can't control that. It's out of your control. But you can control what happens at your own house. And this is how kids learn to be creative. They learn how to create games. They learn how to, you know, build forts and um, and, have, and have fun and communicate. They learn communication skills with their friends. And with people, I mean, it's just, you know, it's very la- la- lacking these days, communication. Um, this is an interesting one because I see that some parents have given up with this and I just think you never, ever, ever should. Expect, please, and thank you as non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. When you give them something, thank you. Can I please have that? please. Thank you. It should be non-negotiable. Okay. I know as a teacher, I always like my heart smiled a little bit more when a child was always like, please. And thank you. And often I had to say like, thank you, please. Right. Because they're not expected to say that at home, but it should be non-negotiable. Um, Next, always investigate a situation instead of believing your child is perfect. Guys, your child's not perfect. No one is perfect. And humans need to make mistakes so we can learn. We are wired that way. We are designed to make mistakes so that we can learn from those mistakes. You have to help your child navigate those mistakes. You have to be like, it's okay that you made a mistake. Gosh, what did you do? What could you have done differently? What have you learned from this? you know, how should it have gone down instead of no, my child didn't do it. Now your child just sees, oh, it's okay to do something and then lie about it. That's okay. Because clearly that's the best way to not get in trouble. But children, you know, you need to get in trouble sometimes. And it's not that they're getting in trouble. It's that they're learning. Like you have a conversation with them. What should you have done differently? Right. Um, Okay. Next have clear expectations for your child's behavior. And one thing I like is as a parent, have three key rules written out, put up on the fridge (laughs) that have consequences. So what are your three non-negotiables, right? So like pushing your brother or sister, okay? If you push your brother or sister, um, this is going to happen. And there's the written consequence if you throw your iPad, this is going to happen, right? No iPad for 24 hours. So take three. Okay. Child works good. Well with three and make those rules for behavior written out with the consequence and don't back down. I know it's hard. You love your child. You don't want them to hate you. They don't hate you. They're just acting out. Okay. But you have to, you're raising them to be amazing human beings in society. And next, and this is my last one for now and and because I'm excited to hear what everyone else has to say, but it should be expected for your kids to listen to other adults who are in charge of them when their parents aren't present. If you sign your child up for ballet, they must listen to the ballet instructor. It must not be you're my mom. I don't have to do what you say. No, it must be you listen to the ballet instructor. The ballet instructor is trying to teach you. Not like, oh, well, she didn't want to sit down. Why did you make her sit down? Well, I made her sit down because I need to teach the kids this move, right? Do you want her to learn ballet or not? There needs to be structure. So it should always be this person is in charge of you when mommy is not here, mommy is going out. You are doing ballet. You have to listen to this person. They are in charge, right? Not you are in charge. They're not in charge. You can do what you want. Mommy's just putting you in here because mommy needs to go shopping. No, if you want them in ballet because they need to learn ballet or you want them to enjoy ballet, then Explain to them that this person is in charge. I mean, can you actually imagine if children are under the impression that they are in charge and the teacher is not in charge? How can anyone possibly expect teachers to teach content? All you are doing then is putting your child in the classroom so they can, someone can babysit them for six hours. That's it. And it's got to be fixed because the best teachers are, are leaving and, you know, teachers are getting disillusioned after only one or two years of teaching and we need to make a plan. So please, if you be, please be part of the village. And if you have any comments, please put them in the, in the comments below. And if you are listening to this on my podcast on teacher mindset, then, um, you know, like, and subscribe and all that good stuff and still comment, or I do have the YouTube link, in, uh, in the podcast notes. So you're more than welcome to pop over to YouTube and put a comment there, which is perfect. All right. I'm sending every one of you so much love, light and laughter for 2024. Make it a beautiful year of lots of great memories.